Good morning, everyone. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Numbers 26, verse 52 to 56. Numbers 26, verse 52 to 56. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Among these, the land shall be divided for inheritance according to the number of names. To a large tribe, you shall give a large inheritance. And to a small tribe, you shall give a small inheritance. Every tribe shall be given its inheritance in proportion to its list. But the land shall be divided by lot. According to the names of the tribes of their fathers, they shall inherit. Their inheritance shall be divided according to lot between the larger and the smaller. Now, the second census in chapter 26, conducted in the plains of Moab, serves two purposes. The first is military conscription. Take a census of all the congregation of the people of Israel from 20 years old and upward by their father houses, all in Israel who are able to go to war. Verse 2. But there is also another forward-looking purpose. The second is land allocation. Among this, the land shall be divided for inheritance according to the number of names. Verse 53. The people of Israel, as you all know, have already defeated and dispossessed Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan. Next is the territory west of the Jordan, the land of Canaan. The land is to be passed out according to the names of the tribes of their fathers and according to lot between the larger and the smaller. Verse 55 and 56. Now, the names. The names mentioned in these verses refer to the men. The culture and practice of that patriarchal period, which is also the accepted custom of the ancient Near East, dictate that only male relatives get to inherit the family estate. Now, look at those figures. The tribe of Manasseh enjoyed the greatest increase in population, thereby receiving a larger share in the land inheritance. Now, if you look at that particular tribe, it comprises of six clans, one of which receives special attention in a census, the clan of the Hepharites. Verse 33, Now, Zelophehad, the son of Hepher, had no sons but daughters. And the names of the daughters were Makla, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Teza. Here we have the names of five women. In a census that counts only fighting men. This is remarkable. The only other female name in a census is Sarah, the daughter of Asher, verse 46, though the reason for its mention remains a mystery. But things are clearer concerning the daughters of Zelophehad. 
They are naming, in a census, foreshadows the legal issues pertaining to land inheritance in chapters 27 and in the last chapter of the book of Numbers, chapter 36. So now turn your Bibles open, open your Bibles to Numbers 27. And now we'll see the reason why the names of those five women were mentioned earlier on in Numbers 26. Numbers 27. Let me read from verse 1 to 4. Verse 1. Then drew near the daughters of Zelophehad, the son of Hepha, son of Gilead, son of Machiah, son of Manasseh, from the clans of Manasseh, the son of Yosef. The names of his daughters were Makla, Noah, Hokla, Milcah, and Teza. And they stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest and before the chiefs and all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting, saying, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among the company of those who gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died for his own sin. And he had no sons. Why should the name of our father be taken away from his clan because he had no son? Give to us a possession among our father's brothers. Let me explain the case then. The daughters of Zelophehad represent the fifth generation after Manasseh. The first three generations could only welcome from a distance the land promised by God to their ancestral fathers. The fourth generation rejected the land, having believed the bad report of the ten spies and was sentenced to die in the wilderness. A new generation now camps in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. The land of promise is finally within sight and within reach. Zelophehad's five daughters approach the tent of meeting. They present their case to Moses and Eleazar the priest and the other leaders. And in fact, before all the congregation of Israel. Our father is dead, they say. He played no part in Korah's rebellion. He had nothing to do with that misguided attempt to seize the priesthood. He didn't die in their company. He was merely part of that general crowd who refused, who had refused to enter the promised land out of fear caused by the report of the skeptical spies. He died for his own sin. Now, he had no sons. The land inheritance due to him will go to his nearest male relative. This effectively means that our father's name will disappear from the genealogy. We know that customarily, daughters don't get to inherit. Yet, let our supplication be heard. Let our Father's name be preserved. Give us land in our Father's name. Give us a possession among our Father's brothers. You know, two Sundays ago, 
I make a distinction between fundamentals and forms. Fundamentals must not change. They represent the foundational truths of our faith, with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Forms, which give appropriate expressions to fundamentals, however, can change. They can shift with times, with the times or circumstances. You see, new wine needs new wine skins. But old wine doesn't need old wine skins. Old wine can still be perfectly preserved in new wine skins. Fundamentals can appear in new forms. Specifically, according to the laws received at Sinai, can daughters inherit their father's estate? Now, common practice in those days details that only sons or male relatives get to inherit. The daughters of Zelophehad present Moses with a unique situation. No precedence. Completely new. Never happened before. Daughters asking for possession in the name of their father. Let's see what happens. Verse 5. Numbers 27. Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, The daughters of Zelophehad are right. You shall give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brothers and transfer the inheritance of their father to them. And you shall speak to the people of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no son, then you shall transfer his inheritance to his daughter. And if he has no daughter, then you shall give his inheritance to his brothers. And if he has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father has no brothers, then you shall give his inheritance to the nearest kinsman of his clan, and he shall possess it. And it shall be for the people of Israel a statue and rule as the Lord commanded Moses. Inheritance through male relatives is the common convention. Whether daughters can inherit their father's estate, the law until this point is silent on this. Existing legislation, however, is clear about one thing, and this is fundamental. Leviticus 25, verse 23. This is what the Lord says. The land shall not be sold in perpetuity, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners to me. Hear that again. This is what the Lord says. The land is mine. All of you dwelling in the land, you are merely strangers and sojourners. You see, Moses did the right thing. He consulted God. You know, this is one thing I, I'm, I'm trying to learn. Consult God, not social media. Right? I hear people say most often, no? uh, da, 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 uh, just Google. No? Don't Google. Pray. Ask the Lord for direction. 
Ask Him, is, is, is what I'm doing right? Lord, if it is wrong, direct me the right way. Moses did the right thing. He did not gather a group of leaders uh, and say, hey, what do you all think? Uh? Uh, let's have a vote. Okay. No to the daughters? Okay. Majority say no, no. No. Moses did the right thing. He opened the word of God first. Well, the Lord did not say anything on this. What's the next thing to do? Consult the Lord. It isn't Moses' place to decide. The land is not his to give or withhold. The word of God came to him. The claim of the daughters of Zelophehad is legitimate. They can inherit their father's property. You see, God overturned the prevailing form without sacrificing the fundamental. That's the point I want to bring across. We must know the Word of God well so that we know what is fundamental. Cannot change. But fundamentals come clothed in different kinds of clothing. Sometimes those clothing must change due to circumstances, due to time, due to situation. But how do we know? Consult God. God overturned the prevailing form. Only male can, can inherit. Female cannot. God overturned the prevailing form without sacrificing the fundamental. The fundamental is God say, the land is mine. I can give to anyone I choose to give. That's the main principle. He's the rightful owner of the land. He gives it to whom he wishes. And God further pronounced. He further pronounced this. If a man... If a man has no son, then his daughter gets to inherit. If no daughter, then his brothers. If no brothers, then his uncles. If no uncles, then the nearest kinsmen of his clan. The daughters are included in the order of inheritance, flies in the face of accepted practice. God is a God of grace. He shows no partiality. He cares equally for all. You must always remember this. The whole, the whole accepted custom of that time, only males inherit. God break that. No, I'm a God of grace. The land is mine. I choose to give to everyone. They are all fairly treated. In my eyes, everyone is equal. That's what God did. He cares equally for all. He recognized the plea of the daughters of Zelophehad. So each tribe receives their allotted portion. Each Israelite receives his or her share. Because this is a blessing of God given to all in Israel, male and female. You know, John Calvin, the French reformer, adds this. Although the daughters of Zelophehad plead before Moses for their own private advantage, still the discussion arose from a good principle. Inasmuch as they would not have been so anxious about the secession, if God's promise had not been just as much a matter of certainty to them, 
as if they were at this moment demanding to be put in possession of it. Wow, the English is a little bit tough here. But let me uh, put it in my own words. In other words, so certain were they of God's promise to Israel that they found the courage to inquire about the secession and demand possession of their father's land. So confident were they of the God of grace, so confident of, of they to God's promise to their father that he, he will inherit, that the daughters of Zelophehad, based on the scripture, based on his, their understanding of the fundamentals, approached God and asked God for their share. Kelvin continues, they had not yet entered the land, nor were their enemies conquered. Yet, relying on the testimony of Moses, or this rather, uh, they prosecute their suit as if the tranquil possession of their rights were to be accorded them that very day. And this must have had the effect of confirming the expectations of the whole people when Moses consulted God as respecting a matter of importance and pronounced by revelation that which was just and right. For the discussion being openly moved before the entire congregation must have given them encouraged at least to imitate this woman. Wow! Ten spies! Koya! The five women! Good! Woman, no. Cannot fight. I want the land. The daughters of Zelophehad deserve our admiration. Unlike their father's generation, they show faith in the divine promises and are rewarded for it. Their father had no part in Korah's rebellion. They will have no part in the unbelief that condemned their father's generation. You know, you know, people always quote from John Wesley. They say something like this, what one generation tolerates, the next will embrace. Basically, it means things will get worse from one generation to another generation. But... The daughters of Zelophehad proved otherwise. They wanted nothing to do with their father's sin. They kept faith with the Lord. They clung to His promises. They received from the Lord what they saw only from a distance. The father rejected the land. They tell the Lord, we want the land. They deserve our admiration and imitation. You know, parents, your children can inherit from you either of two things. Your faithlessness or your faithfulness. Parents, hear this again. Your children or grandchildren can inherit from you either of these two things. I'm not talking about money. Huh? I'm not talking about your condo or your estate. Those things are not important. Two things. Either your faithfulness or your faithlessness. Let me address the children. Children, the sins of your parents don't have to be yours. You can repent on behalf of your dad, on behalf of your mom. You can repent. You can make right what is wrong. You can turn back to God. You can break the vicious cycle. You can stop the downward spiral. You can leave to your children a heritage of faithfulness. Like the daughters of Zelophehad, 
The father died. No sons, no land. Name gone forever from the genealogy. No more name. But the daughters of Zelophehad say, No, we will trust the Lord. Lord, give us a piece of land in Israel. And the Lord gave it to them. If Jesus was there, Jesus would say, Great is your faith. It will be done for you just as you requested. Let me now explain the case today. I recall another woman. She lived in the region of Tyre and Sidon. She was a Canaanite by race. She begged Jesus to heal her demon-possessed daughter. Jesus made no answer. She continued crying out to him. Jesus made no answer. She continued crying out to him, not giving up. The disciples urged Jesus to send her away. Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She fell to her knees, pleading, Lord, help me. Jesus replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Do do you hear what the woman is actually asking for? Well, perhaps she does not know. But you know, I read a deeper meaning to her request. Here's another woman deserving our admiration and imitation. She wanted a share in Israel. That's how I read it today. She wanted a slice of Israel's bread. She wanted a piece of the action. She heard good things about this Messiah from Israel who is a blessing to Israel. And she wanted a piece of the action. She wouldn't let Jesus go till he gave her what she wanted. She would even settle for crumbs. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, Great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. The Son of God overturned another prevailing form without sacrificing the fundamental. Because this time the woman, this time she's not just a woman, she was also a Gentile. Gentiles do not inherit salvation from God, only for the Jews. Gentile got nothing to do with the promise of Abraham. It's only for the Jews. Gentile got no place in the new heavens and the new earth that God promised to us. It's only for the Jews. And hear what Jesus said to this Gentile woman who wanted a piece of the action. Great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. Now, you won't find her name in any Jewish genealogy. She was a foreshadowing of what was to come. Today, Christians, all of you, how many of you here is a Jew? 
None? Oh, I'm surprised. Today, Christians, majority being Gentiles, get more than just crumbs. In Christ, we now sit at a table with Abraham's children as equals. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 to 29, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, as according to promise. You don't inherit, you know. Scriptural convention at that point in time say you don't inherit. It's not yours. Do you know why now, huh, when you get so bored reading all the names in the book, right? Like Numbers 26, oh, boring, man. You know why? For the Jews, it's not boring, no? You know why not? Because if they find their name there, that means they get to inherit. How can it be boring for the Jews? Not boring at all. They will search. My name there or not? My name there or not? Oh, my name not there. Die, huh? So next time when you come to the names again, uh, give it a little bit more respect because it means a lot. We are now, because of this promise of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are now part of the commonwealth of Israel. We are now grafted into the olive tree of Israel. We are now heirs of God. We are now fellow heirs with Christ. We are now heirs of the covenants of promise. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 says this, The Father has made you fit to share the inheritance that belongs to God's people. What belongs to the Jews, God has made us fit to now share in it. How how did God qualify us for this? By faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 4, Colossians chapter 1, in accordance to the word of truth and the grace of God in truth. Verses 5 and 6, having filled us with the knowledge of God and the knowledge of His will. Verses 9 and 10, read Colossians chapter 1. That is how God has qualified us to inherit alongside His people, the Jews. 1 Peter 1 verse 4 says this about our inheritance. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Our inheritance is imperishable. It is not like the goods we get at a supermarket. It has no use by date. It has no best before date. It has no expiry date. It does not decay or spoil. That's our inheritance. Secondly, our inheritance is undefiled. It is pure. It is faultless. It is unadulterated. It is not soiled by any field. It is not tainted by sin or sickness or sorrow or the schemes of Satan. That's our inheritance. Undefiled. The thirdly, our inheritance is unfading. Its value never depreciates. Its color never dims. Its beauty never diminishes. Its glory never dies. Its vitality never degrades. And lastly, our inheritance is kept in heaven for you or for us. 
It is in God's safe keeping, where moth nor rust cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. It belongs to those who are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You want to get a piece of this inheritance? Believe in Jesus Christ. Through Him, you get to share in this inheritance. I wonder whether any one of you here have yet to believe in Jesus Christ. And I don't mean just talking in your mouth, you know, it's easy to say in your mouth, I believe. He's here. You see, God don't read lips. Remember I told you? God read heart. Your lips can say one thing, but your heart can believe another thing. So God read the heart. That is why scripture says, if you confess with your mouth, but believe in your heart that Christ is Lord, you will be saved. It belongs to those who are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, whose names are recorded in heaven, whose names are written in the book of life, whose names are enrolled among the righteous. Our Lord Jesus said this in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Here it is. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, this is the census that really matters. Do you know God is taking a census? Do you know every name in His book of life uh, are those who will ultimately get the inheritance? This is where you want your name to be found. This is where you want your children and your children's children to be listed. That's why parents, you have a responsibility. You, you know that your name is written down you must help your children as well so that their names are written down so that they get the inheritance that is unfading, undefiled, kept in heaven. Everything on earth will disappear very fast. Gone. For what is at stake here is not just a few acres of freehold property, but a better place a heavenly homeland, a house not made with human hands, a city with eternal foundations, whose architect and builder is God. This is the legacy you want to leave behind for your children. Sadly, however, not all will inherit. This is what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, you know what our Christians' main concern when we read this list, right? and they happen to be our family members or friends, guess what they do? They will do everything they can to help them get out of that situation so that their names can be written. So sometimes they can be very harsh in their words. For that, I apologize. Sometimes they are overly harsh because of their fear for you, 
for where you will find yourself if you do not repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is at stake? The kingdom of God. That's the inheritance of the saints. That's our inheritance in Christ. The inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. And nothing unclean will enter it. Nothing unclean will possess it. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Can I encourage all of you? As long as God gives you life on this earth, you still have many days to come. Do everything you can to ensure your name is written down in the book of life. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Begin to pick up the Bible and start reading so that you know what is fundamental, what is important, what you must know. Because the Bible directs you how you ought to live your life. Why? Is it trying to control us? No. Because God knows that if you follow this instruction, it will lead to life. Otherwise, it will lead to death. And God says, I don't want you to die. I don't want you to suffer at the end. I want you to have possession of heaven forever. That is why Jesus said, uh, told this parable in Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. You see, the, the kingdom of heaven uh, is so precious uh, that people on, on, on finding it right, were, are willing to give up everything for it. Because this is a pearl of great price. Everything else is nothing in comparison to the kingdom of heaven. That is how great the kingdom of God is. How great the kingdom of heaven is. All your deepest desires will be satisfied there. All your hunger and your thirst will be satisfied there. All the pain you are suffering now will be gone. Because God promised He will take away sin. He will take away sorrow. He will take away sickness. He will take everything that troubles humankind to this day. We read about it in the newspaper every day. You see, what the Lord is saying in this parable, it it is either all or nothing. No one can serve two masters, our Lord said. You either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot put one foot on Jesus Christ and the other foot on the world. You cannot. It doesn't work. You have to put both foot either on Jesus Christ or both foot on the world. You cannot say, I want to have both. It just doesn't work that way. You cannot serve God and money. So we have a choice. It's an either-or choice. It's not a both-end. It's an either-or. God or money. Christ or self. Cross or comfort. Heaven or hell. Life or death. Blessing or curse. Salvation or damnation? Kingdom of God or the kingdom of the world? Which will it be for you? What will you get to inherit? What will your children get to inherit? 
I leave it to you to think about this and to make your choice. My prayer is that you choose wisely. Choose Jesus Christ. Let us pray. You know, whenever the Word of God is preached, you all cannot walk away without an answer. You all need to respond. Because right now, God is listening, you know. Wait, I'm listening. What will they say, having heard my word this morning? What will they choose? Speak to God right now. Be like the daughters of Zelophehad. Lord, give us possession of the new heaven and the new earth. We want to be a part there. Ask God, and this is a God of grace. He is willing to give, and He will give generously. But you must ask. You have to ask. You don't ask, you don't get. You don't believe, you don't get. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone here. I'm just so thankful to you, O Lord, for how you have brought them here this morning. I believe with all my heart, O Lord, that they are here this morning for a reason. And I pray, Heavenly Father, as they have heard about this message on the inheritance of the saints and how, O Lord, you have thrown the door open to heaven to all. It's not just the men who get to inherit it is not just the Jewish people get to inherit. The kingdom of God is now available to all people of all colours, of all stripes, of all language, of all nationalities, of all culture. But Lord, it is still an invitation. We know, Lord, you are a God of grace and a God of love. You will not force anyone in. You will not threaten anyone. You allow them to choose. But they, but they have to understand the consequences of their choice. They choose wisely, they are blessed. They choose foolishly, they are cursed. They choose wisely, they are safe. They choose foolishly, they are damned. Father, my prayer, somehow, sometime, somewhere, in some place, Lord, help them choose wisely. Lord, you know us, we are foolish by nature. I am foolish by nature. I often don't choose wisely. But Lord, thanks be to your grace, you continually teach, instruct, convince, persuade, and I pray you do the same thing, O oh Lord, with everyone here, my brothers and sisters, the guests of our church, our friends. Lord, may each one of them, at the end of life, recognize, know for sure, deep in their heart, their names are already written in the book of life, and their inheritance is imperishable undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for them. We give you thanks for your mercy and grace to us and we are grateful to you, O Lord, for giving us more than just crumbs but a share in the very kingdom of God. In your name we pray. Amen.